Do you want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? Well, I deeply understand that, and that's why I want to find a source that we both could trust, you and me, and I found this podcast. So let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter, healthier choices every single week. And don't just take my word for it. (laughs) Avid podcast fan Joanne's Apple Review says this. Joanne's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is always informative and always understandable. And that she's definitely a healthier person listening to this and following Zoe's advice, which I love. We love sources that you can trust. And if you're ready to join millions of others like Joanne, transforming their health and like me, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to your podcast. I promise you will not regret it. It is an awesome show and I've learned so much from it. Go check it out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply just like make friends with that part of yourself because I think for so much shame is like when something comes up you're like like Jeej was saying like no 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 can't feel this way or can't be blank whatever that blank is for you but I think instead if you're like okay well instead of shunning this part of myself like why don't why don't I just approach it with curiosity and maybe even a little bit of love and see what that does more personal more vulnerable more open more fucking real than ever who's ready to strip down You've arrived at your destination. Creating art and sharing our art is one of the most trying journeys we will ever embark on where we are met with perfectionism, inner criticism, and blockages from trauma that will require bravery, patience, education, and compassion to overcome. What's meant to set us free can often feel like the most difficult journey to move through. But in the end, to create and to share and to express our authentic selves through art is truly what heals us. And today, I have the most two perfect people in the entire planet to talk about this with. Listening to their stories, I am so, so inspired to continue to create from a place of authenticity for who I am and where I come from. And I hope that leaving this conversation, you will feel the same. It can be scary to share who we are through the means of art, but in this case, we see that it allows us to know ourselves deeper and overcome things that may be left unhealed. Angelique Kalani Axelrode is a filmmaker, activist, and someone who creates from a place of authenticity and a place from being inspired by her intersectional identities in a way that inspires us all and inspires me personally. And Brigitte Leilani Axelrode is a scholar and an artist and an incredible dancer currently studying women, gender, and sexuality studies at UH Manoa and has also continued to create many pieces of art with many different mediums that is heavily influenced by her unique perspective 
as a mixed race indigenous woman. These two amazing humans and amazing sisters are just some of my favorite people. And these two beautiful souls have directly impacted my life as good friends and have educated and inspired me by just being their authentic selves and have taught me so much about this place that I was born and raised in, in Hawaii, through their own exploration of their culture. And I could not be more excited to have them on to chat about art, culture, and their film, Tale of Two Sisters. And I'll be chatting with Reina Bonta, who has worked with Ange on their film, Lahi. Reina comes from a family of activists and is motivated to keep her Filipino culture alive and exemplifies it through her amazing work in Lahi. Okay, guys, we are going to welcome in Ange and Gigi. Bring them on the mic. Hey, guys. Hi. How are you so much, Kayla, for having us and for the amazing introduction? Yeah, thank you so much, Kayla, for having us. I'm so excited to be here. I'm super happy to have you guys on. Before we get into it, guys, make sure to hit the download button, subscribe. You can follow me at Sunday's KK on all platforms, and we're going to let them plug themselves right now. Give it to us. Uh, You can follow me on my Instagram account at Angiax, A-N-G-I-A-X-E. I I also have Instagram. It's G-G-G-I-G-I-L-A-X-E-L. And at the end, we're going to talk about all the things that they have going on and where you can find that. So stick around for that, guys. Everything about them will be linked in the episode description because I know you're going to want to be like, who are these human beings? I need to know who they are. (laughs) Who's ready to... Strip down and dive in. Yes, that was like a (laughs) harmony. What the heck? (laughs) Before we get into it, guys, I have this segment on the show and it's called Own Your Shit. And we do this because, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about healing and art and culture. And I think that it's really good to ground ourselves and be like, although we have advice on like the process and what you guys have been through, it's also important to recognize that we're all kind of going through it in some way, shape or form. So the question is, what is one thing that you believe you have needed to heal or started to heal before creating the tale of two sisters and how do you feel like this has impacted the way that you've created the film I think creating a tale of two sisters was such a vulnerable experience being not just behind the camera but in front of it as well it felt very (laughs) vulnerable and it felt like I wasn't I would have never been able to do this if like you had asked me maybe a couple years ago I would have been like no way So I think just building up my vulnerability and like my courage in that way. Also, I feel like I very much had to heal my understanding of my own cultural identity in order to create this piece and to understand that as a mixed race native Hawaiian person, that all of my identities are extremely important to who I am and to value each and every one of them and to approach each of them with curiosity. And I think that's what this film was, an exploration of our identity together as sisters, as Native Hawaiians. I really felt chills when you said that, that it was like um, an exploration for you guys of that. Like that just was a really cool wording that I feel like hit really hard. What about you, Gigi? What do you think? Definitely. I agree with Angie. It's similar to her experience. I've never been so involved in the process of actually like creating a film and being a choreographer on a film, but it was nice because it was definitely a safe space to create, which is also why I think that it worked out the way that it did because we were both kind of really open and pushing ourselves to be like, well, maybe we try this, maybe we try this, and just like being able to try things. And I think something that I had to reckon with throughout the process is like the idea of perfectionism like you kind of mentioned in the intro I feel like I have a lot of fear about not creating or doing something that I don't feel like is worthy of attention Mm -hmm. or I'm like I need to make sure that this is perfect and it's the best but when it comes to art it's more about like the process and the journey of creating rather than like the product sometimes and I think like the process was so like 
it was freeing and it was like fun. And Angie and I are literally choreographing dances in our living room like we did when we were like 12 years old <laughs> like I love that was, though no. like the inner child is like yes like let me dance yeah. like let me feel myself and like do the damn thing so like, like the inner child literally screaming how do we make our clothing more conscious if you're anything like me you love this beautiful place that we get to call home planet earth and fast fashion is a huge issue facing our beautiful home and that's why I am so excited that this podcast is sponsored by woven because I have loved this brand for years first of all it's so cute it's so comfy they are making sustainability sexy and on top of that it is female founded bipoc owned and it's slow fashion at woven everything is made from recycled water bottles and for each sale woven removes one pound of trash from the ocean we love it we love woven and if you don't want to take my word for it let's listen to the science the problem with fast fashion is that materials do not biodegrade and the fabrics that do break down often contain chemicals that contaminate soil and the water table plus over 700 gallons of water is used to make one cotton t-shirt and because of the sad fact that 2.5 million plastic bottles are disposed every hour in america alone woven saw this as an amazing opportunity to create a brand that is sustainable and sexy and the best part of it is their mission woven has always been a brand that is committed to earth first their objective is for clothes and the brand to become a catalyst that helps start a bigger conversation around the environment that's why I'm literally so honored to be working with Woven. They are a dream brand of mine, and I want to give you guys 20% off just for our skinny dipping listeners. We love a good discount. So use code, all lowercase, skinny dipping for 20% off of your purchase at Woven. You can visit them online by going to woventhreads.com. That's W-O-L-V-E-N-T-H-R-E-A-D-S.com. And let's make sustainability sexy together. And we're back with my favorite app ever. As you guys know, this podcast is sponsored by Open. Not only do they have an amazing studio in California, but also there is something that everybody can use and it's their app. I use this app daily for meditation and breath work and even sound bowl classes. There's Pilates, there's yoga, there's literally everything that you need for your wellness habits because your habits put you on the road to the life that you want to create for yourself. And that's what I want for you. With Open, you have unlimited live and on-demand breathwork, meditation, Pilates, yoga classes, and more. There is an amazing plethora of teachers, and you can literally cancel at any time. The best part about this is that I want to give you 30 days for free. Yes, 30 days for free. So you can try it for a whole month, see if you like it, and you know if you can't afford it, cancel it. But just try it out because this app is literally life-changing. It's my favorite app ever. You're going to go to withopen.com slash skinny dipping. Again, that's withopen.com slash skinny dipping to get 30 days for free now, like right now. Go check it out. Unless you're driving, check it out later. Love you guys. Let's get back to the episode. Like, let me dance. Like, let me feel myself and like do the damn thing. So like the inner child literally screaming. So yeah, I would say I think reckoning with like perfectionism was definitely something. And yeah, our identities and understanding like the story and the process of like learning about the molalo of hiyaka ikapoleopele and like really making sure that we do the story justice 
I love that. Yeah. And I just want to give you guys the floor a second to talk about your film and what it's about and where the inspiration is from. Guys, listen, listen, because it's just, it's beautiful. And I can't wait for you guys to get a chance to watch this when you can. A Tale of Two Sisters is based off the Mo'olelo of Hi'iake Kapolio Pele, which is an ancient Hawaiian story based on the two deities of Pele, which is the goddess of the volcano. And Hi'iake Kapolio Pele is her younger sister. Hi'iake Kapolio Pele can be translated to mean Hi'iaka in the bosom of Pele. So Pele carried Hi'iaka as an egg before she was born, so to speak. And so there's definitely this dynamic relationship of more like a motherly older sister feeling and like Hi'iaka is her favorite youngest sister. When we encountered this Mo'olelo, I immediately resonated with the fact that it was based on two sisters because obviously my sister and I are very close and we kind of had a similar dynamic growing up. I'm four years older than Angie, so it kind of like was always like, oh, this is like my 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 baby sister (laughs) so there was kind of like that already there and then to see two women such strong powerful like leading women in the story was something also super inspirational and something that I really connected with and we had been talking about creating a film for a while since Angie's in film I'm a dancer I'm like oh we should collab (laughs) yeah and it's a dance film yeah it's a short short dance film experimental dance film honestly the story it was all coming together and we were like okay like there's so much that happens within the Mo'olelo like Hi'iaka has to go basically on this journey for Pele to fetch her lover Lohiao from Kauai. So, and Hi'iaka battles these mo'o, all these lizards, and has all these obstacles and journeys. And Pele thinks that Hi'iaka betrays her. So then Pele burns her ikane, which has a lot of different translations, but ikane usually as like a queer meaning same sex, like colonizers changed the definition to close friend but there's also a lot of research that shows it's more about it's like your lover yeah a lover a close relationship um and so her ikane hopoe was the ohialehua flower it was a grove actually so like she was the trees Mm -hmm. so pele thinks that hiyaka betrays her burns her ikane so then in retaliation hiyaka does then kind of betray pele and sleeps with her lover lohiao Oh, no. Big dramas, like huge dramas. Drama, okay. Yeah, like and, a lot of drama. And this is kind of what the film is based on, but yeah. it's a dance film, and it's of you guys. So how does that, like, relate to your upbringing, like, your guys' relationship? Like, does it reflect that at all, or is it really just about the story, or how how does it, w- like, why did you feel connected to, to share that? Mm. I think we felt connected to share it because the sister dynamic, obviously, the very specifics of the Mo'olelo, obviously, not, like, always completely relatable but I think we wanted to focus more on like the ebbs and flow of sisterhood and like what that means and how it's evolving in the end of the story Hi'iaka and Pele do reconcile because they kind of realize like I mean they're sisters at the end of the day and I think as Angie and I have been becoming adults and our relationship changes we have to negotiate those boundaries and the changes that are happening and like what that means and what that looks like and I think in the story Pele and Hi'iaka are constantly I mean Hi'iaka does this like huge favor for Pele and then like all of this all of this messiness happens and it's also like very symbolic obviously of life like things like things happen and like how do we adapt and grow from them that was beautiful <laughs> thank you for sharing that so that everyone can understand the story also more I love that also I'm happy to like kind of talk about Lahi because that's the other film that you worked on that also was at the film festival guys they went off and at the Hawaii film festival what, what's the full name of it international we need that in there because that's really <laughs> fucking important it's international and um I mean they went off and, and both films were in it right 
Yeah, amazing. That's so exciting. Congratulations to both of you. So can you tell us a little bit about your other film and what that is? And so when Raina comes on later, we have some insight on that. So yeah, while A Tale of Two Sisters was an experimental short film that was blending narrative and movement-based storytelling um, and was centered around dancing, Lahi is a narrative short film that's around 20 minutes. And narrative just meaning it's like a more traditional type of film. It follows a young Filipina girl who returns to Oahu to get her grandmother's things and her grandmother recently passed. And the protagonist is a college student. She's on spring break. She doesn't want to be doing this. She wants to be partying, whatever you want to be doing when you're a college student on spring break. And she's very reluctant to um, to be there and to acknowledge kind of like the significance of being in that space in her grandmother's home for the last time. Basically, she's very disconnected from her cultural identity at the beginning, encounters a box of plates that she finds mysteriously in her grandmother's home who are addressed to someone on island. And she tries to get rid of it and then basically encounters these Filipina elders in the community who were friends of her grandmother who kind of push her on this journey to like learn about her grandmother, her cultural identity, what that means to her. And by the end, her worldview is totally kind of turned upside down and she understands the significance of of this history. And instead of pushing it away, she has more of a curiosity and pride in who she is. Beautiful. We love all the exploration of the cultural identity. I would love to like ask you guys about what your experience was growing up with your cultural identity because I know I learned a new word that I'm excited for everyone else to learn as well because I feel like it's something that's really important and we need to talk about it. So guys, you're going to see, I feel like it all kind of circles back around. Like when I was writing the outline for for this um, podcast, I was like, wow, there's so much we could talk about. We can talk about art. We can talk about cultural identity. We can talk about healing. And then I was like, no, but they all relate in one way, shape or form and they do intersect. So I would love to kind of move into that space if you guys are open to sharing your experience. So growing up in diaspora, I actually learned this word from Gigi. So maybe Gigi, you want to explain what it means? <laughs> yes, Gigi, get on the... <laughs> <clears throat> um, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm in grad school. Yes, so this <laughs> yes, is actually something that I've, I've actually just recently learned as well. Growing up in diaspora, I guess it would mean that for us in particular, if you're indigenous to a certain area, you are growing up outside of that area. So Angie and I were born in California, which means we grew up in diaspora. It's definitely a little bit confusing having to negotiate a multiracial identity. Number one is kind of confusing in and of itself, but then also growing up, knowing that you have a connection to this culture, but you also feel semi-removed from it just because of your actual like physical location. Mm-hmm. I just remember as a child, I never fully felt like I fit in in California. In Hawaii, like everybody here is hapa and everybody here is mixed. And that's like a very normal thing. But where we grew up, it was very, very white conservative. And it was just sort of alienating and just confusing. I always felt like I belonged in Hawaii more and our family's from Maui and our family lives in Maui and we had spent so much time here every year we'd come here and like mm-hmm. be here and I just remember like being so sad every time I had to leave and like just being able to like feel like comfortable where I was and like looking around and like seeing like myself represented in the people around me it felt like like I was home like coming home to a place 
in California, obviously, I rep the Bay Area super hard. I love the Bay Area. Um, but it's just a different experience, and I think it can be confusing, which is why I feel so blessed to be able to, like, share this film with everybody and, like, in the community and connecting with these stories. These mo'olalo is, like, is so important for people, indigenous people specifically, but anyone, like, connecting to your cultural stories. It's, like, Hawaiians are storytellers, and that's, like, the root of who we are. So being able to tap into that and like share that with the community is super special to me. Yeah. And I just want to go back. You said negotiating your multicultural identities. I mean, mm. obviously I'm white. I don't fully understand your guys' experience and I want to. So can you explain to me what that means? Like negotiating your different cultural identities? I, I say a negotiation because I feel like there is always not a defensiveness, but you're kind of like trying to understand like where you are where is my place in this situation that I find myself I have a white side of my family and then I have like my Hawaiian side of my family so it's like you're kind of having to figure out what where you are and like who you are in the context of like that specific scenario it's kind of like a negotiation maybe like within yourself and like a kind of like conscious like analyzation kind of like code switching kind of like people have talked about that it's kind of a similar similar to that I would say being like where do I fit in kind of is that the experience or what would you guys say definitely that experience yeah is like I <laughs> yeah also maybe like trying to be like do you like do you understand like what I'm going through like with certain people in my family I just felt like they they couldn't and they didn't and I was like okay maybe don't talk to you about this or like who do I speak to about this who like can understand like what's going on and like can connect with me. Well, what's your experience like with that, Ange? Well, I think a lot of people have different aspects of their identity that you have to constantly juggle. Even like you have different parts of yourself, you know, that you're constantly kind of dealing with throughout the day, throughout your life. And I think for me personally, growing up in a predominantly white environment, it was less of, of an equal negotiation and more of like a suppression of certain parts in order to fit in. And I, I even just recently wrote a piece about how discovering and exploring my racial identity helped me also come to terms with my sexual identity. Okay. Because I... Tell us a little bit about (laughs) that piece. That actually sounds so interesting. I'm like, tell me more. Yeah, I think it kind of was born out of this journey of, okay, I want to discover more things about myself. I feel like there are parts of myself that I've suppressed because of my upbringing, because of the society we live in, and yada, 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 the list goes on. While I was exploring this part of my identity of... Because we're, like, very mixed races like we have a lot of things going on in our family lineage and so I was like what does that even mean what does that mean to me and Mm -hmm. I want to learn about these different parts of my identity because trying to fit in meant that I tried to be white Mm -hmm. like and as a relatively white passing person like I have always like felt like I was like clawing like trying to like fit this mold of perfect or whatever which was like obviously does not exist and was like super detrimental to I think just like my development and acceptance of like who I really was but um yeah I'm really separated myself from my like Chinese identity from like we're Native American we're Native Hawaiian like there's so much rich history and culture behind who we are and I felt so disconnected from it so then when I kind of started bringing these things back into my life by like asking questions to our family and like reading Mo'olelo and like dancing hula and like just trying to be way more curious about the parts of my identity that I used to feel ashamed of which is like feels so sad to say out loud now because now I'm like so proud of who I am I definitely lived in a space where I was so ashamed of parts of my racial identity and the same with my sexual identity as well like 
as a queer bisexual person, I also had this side of myself that I was totally suppressing for a large part of my childhood and upbringing. And it felt very similar in certain ways to that same feeling of like, okay, I can be this part of myself, but I can't be this part of myself. Mm. Honestly, a big healing thing for that has been like writing about it, sharing like this film or just connecting with other people about it as well. Cause I think it's a, a shared experience that a lot of people have. It's definitely helped me feel understood. But even kind of beyond that, even just like having a voice and sharing it, having platforms that are like, yeah, we want to host this for you. Yeah, or like, yeah, we, we want to share have, this. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, okay, that just that validation has been really like supportive. And of course, connecting with people is like an extra like, wow, this is like amazing. Yeah, it, it sounds very, very vulnerable. And it's so cool that you guys like had the courage to make your films and to actually do it because people usually just like say that they're going to do it and that they think they're going to do it and then they like don't actually do it. And I feel like that comes from a lot of like fear, shame, trauma, perfectionism, all those things coming in. And I, w- I would love to ask you guys, I was wondering how you guys began to heal those sides of yourself and also kind of what that process looked like like was it a moment like a realization moment where you're like oh my god like I need to get into this or was it like a collection of moments it was a slower process and if other people are like wait I feel that way too I feel like I've suppressed so many different parts of myself like where could they begin because I feel like we talk about it so much and and then it's just like what could they do if they feel the same you know My healing journey, I think, really had to start with being honest with myself. I was in so much denial for so long. And I think not even purposely, I think it was a trauma response for a lot of things that happened in our childhood. I kind of saw my life going down this path that I felt so literally stuck. And like I felt like my whole life was laid out ahead of me and I had no autonomy over the choices that were like that were happening. I'm like, well, I was in a really long term, like committed relationship. And I was like, okay, like I guess I'm getting married. And like I was I was dancing professionally in L.A. And like dance has always been an outlet for me. But I just like was not happy. But I couldn't I couldn't admit that to myself and being like, well, why aren't I happy doing this? Like I love to dance and like I'm having fun. But I was like something was just not right. And like there were so many things that were just not right and that like my mental health was really poor like the last the last like year that I was living in LA I was just so not doing well and I think that was like really hard process for me just like being completely honest and just being like admitting to myself like I am unhappy and what am I going to do about that like what like actually getting out of that situation and getting into an environment where I'm like I am happy now and I'm working on myself and I was committed when you moved to Maui is that what you're referring yeah to, I think or? when I came here I was like okay like that really was literally the best thing that I ever did for myself and my whole life really changed from that and I was like oh this is what happiness feels like that's crazy but I also took the time to be like okay like well what do I want to do with my life and that's like scary as fuck to like ask yourself that question because I'm like I don't I didn't know like I was like well what else makes me happy just like being curious and like asking myself like what what do I love to do and like how can I make a career out of this and like I've always been passionate about education <laughs> Angie was actually my first student yeah um, tell us I, I love this story I literally, 
when Angie was super young, I think I was like in second grade, I was doing this. I would literally pretend to be a teacher and I would like write syllabi, like literally write a syllabus and like write it on this like whiteboard we had. And I was like, Angie, I would make, I would literally like lock Angie in the garage with me and I would like read her books and like I taught Angie how to read. I taught her like times tables when she was like, I was like teaching her everything that I was learning in school and she was like so much younger and I would like literally force her to do this for hours. And she'd be like, can I, like, can I, like, leave now? Like, no. You need to no, learn. No, you have to learn more times tables. I was, like, literally like a drill sergeant. But, um, <laughs> like, she hated every second. But I loved it. And I was, like, I've always, I've always, like, thought that I've seen myself as a teacher in some aspect. But then I kind of was, like, okay. Like, I don't know. After I graduated college, I got signed with an agency pretty quickly after. And, like, I just felt like that was, like, my path kind of, like, just, like, unfolded that way but I've always thought about grad school too so that just was there and I was like okay well I'm like could I see myself legitimately be happy doing this like as a career I'm like yeah that'd be fucking sick like that is what I want to do and I was like okay that means I need to go to grad school and I was like fuck so now I'm in grad school and (laughs) it's it's hard as shit but (laughs) we're loving it so my healing journey I guess began with really extreme direct honesty with myself yeah. and you're like what's working what's not working what do I like what do I not like yeah. like I feel like we underestimate the power of just like simplicity and questions like it's just like what's working for you what's not working for you yeah. what feels good what doesn't feel good you exactly know? and like trusting your intuition about that because I, there were things like I knew I was unhappy but I like in denial but also like really suppressing I'm like no 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 no. like I'm not feeling this way like I don't want I don't want to feel this way so I tried to make myself believe that I wasn't but it just got to a point where I was like it was unavoidable I just felt like there wasn't even a space for me to be honest with myself like I was in, in so deep that I was like if I actually speak my truth like it's going to disrupt my entire life and I'm like that takes so much so much courage that I like Ooh, didn't yeah. have at the time like no I literally so heavy. and changed my entire my entire life got flipped around and I was just like and was it like so worth it 100% I had to be honest with myself I can't live in like this anymore I love that so much because to uproot your life and to like be like wait something is not working for me I actually don't really like what's going on for me takes such courage and such bravery to admit that to yourself and then on top of that to actually do something about it is like crazy amounts of bravery so thank you literally I know that that somebody out there right now is literally like fuck (laughs) they just felt like you slapped them in the face because they're like fuck that's exactly how I feel but I don't know if I have the bravery to do that right now like how are you actually supposed to like uproot everything that's you know once was important to you but now is no longer fitting within your narrative of life like how are you supposed to have that bravery because I feel like so many people I literally got a message today of this girl being like I'm in so deep to my family and I'm in this marriage and I have a kid and I just know that none of it's working for me and you know I know that if I were to let this relationship go like I could you know really have everything that I want and I know that's what's standing in my way Mm. like how the fuck am I supposed to have that bravery and I'm like girl I don't even know. Like, bestie, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. No, but like, I mean, I feel like there's even, I've done it on minuscule scales in my life, like leaving things that, you know, yeah. used to be once really important to me and taking that big leap of faith and it has paid off for me. I feel like it pays off for everyone almost every single time. Like, yeah. cause you know, deep in your intuition that that's what's right. But how are you supposed to have that bravery? I would say that, 
It doesn't all have to happen at once. Number one, you wake up and you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to change my whole life. I'm going to fuck my whole world up. (laughs) I'm going to turn my life upside down today. No, it, (laughs) I think it happens. It's a process. I think it's also a big part of it is unlearning shame. In order to be brave, you have to unlearn shame because I think the reason that we get stuck in these life patterns that we don't like or agree with is like a lot of the times just like because we're ashamed to maybe let someone else down to disrupt our entire life maybe people will think that we failed in this relationship we're failing and it's like no like I think I had to really let go of like what other people might think even like ending the relationship with my partner that was long term I was like I can't imagine like hurting this person because they've been nothing but good to me but like I just know that it wasn't right but I was like how do I do this to them like how could I do that to them? I think that's also just like learning how to not be selfish in some ways, but like kind of like yeah. you have to like, I, I like selfish. <laughs> no, I literally thought that I was like evil. Like I was like, oh my God, like I'm hurting someone. Like how could I? But it's like, no, like, like I just need to be honest. And I think the more that we can communicate, learning communication, number one, and unlearning that I don't need to be ashamed of doing things for myself is what has allowed me to become brave, braver. Snaps to that, baby. Somebody really needed to hear that like really fucking needed to hear that so thank you for sharing that Gigi. and the question is the, the big question is now um with everything that you've come to at this point like what was like the catalyst moment or what was the experience of beginning to heal so that you can explore that's kind of what like this narrative i've been hearing from you is like sense of exploration in your life you know and like allowing the exploration and the curiosity to happen and allowing your identity to kind of shift because i think that's like the scariest thing is like loss or confusion or like letting go of a certain identity to step into a new identity I feel like that is just the most disruptive shit ever like which is kind of relates to what you were saying Gigi because it's like yeah your physical life changed but it was because your identity of self changed first and then you're like none of this is fitting into the new identity that I want you know our ego loves identities so it's like that's what I hear from you it's like you love the exploration of your identity now and who you are and I think that's so fucking cool but how did you get there because I feel like that is sometimes the scariest thing for some people is like being like exploring and being curious because for things to feel like secure and like in one place and like in one box like definitely helps our brain make us feel a little bit more safe so it does take a lot of bravery to step outside of that and I'm just kind of wondering what your journey has been like with that your external landscape totally reflects your internal landscape Mm. for me personally I was holding so much shame for a very long time I feel like shame comes up like all the time for for everyone, but I think for a very long time, it was very much shame that was, like, shackling me into this, like, space of where I wasn't able to explore, and I was so unaware of, like, all the shame that I was experiencing, because I was in denial about abuse that I had suffered through as a child. So I think if there was like one specific moment that I had to like say was like a recognizable shift, I think there had been like small seismic shifts, like going away from college, meeting new friends, expanding your perspective on the world. And I'm grateful to have experienced and privileged to have experienced all of those things. But I think specifically, I don't know if this is cliche now, but I feel like shro- like taking shrooms for the first time, like a really, <laughs> yes, we could talk about yeah, it. Yeah, really did a lot like, Because also, I mean, my default mode network of, like, how my brain just, like, was naturally operating was very dissociative. Mm. And I felt like my range of emotions that I was feeling was very capped as a survival, you know, adaptation. So then when I took shrooms for the first time and I was, like, feeling all these, like, amazing things, I was actually here on Maui, like, so connected to the earth, like, literally never felt more connected to, like, everything in the universe in my whole life. 
And I was like, I didn't even know this feeling existed. Yeah, that's so cool. I was like, something's not right. Like something, I know, I, I, I knew I was on drugs and I was like, I know this is like an amplified experience and feeling. But I think when I, you know, got back down to earth and like living my life after that, I was like, whoa, like I feel so far away from that connected feeling on my day-to-day life. Like what, what's going on? And I think that very much was the catalyst of my own like explorative journey, trying to unpack things in my life, like going to therapy and like practicing mindfulness. So what was actually going on? Like suppression of identity, emotions, like all that? Or what what was actually going on to make you feel so disconnected and so far away? Yeah, I think it, it was just a ton of, I think suppression was probably the biggest culprit of what I was experiencing or just like I felt very numb. And I think going to college, because I went to a PWI, which is a predominantly white institution, and I feel like at first I was trying to still fit this mold of what I thought I should be like versus who I really was. And so that suppression, I feel like, definitely you know came out and then was still impacting my mental health, even though you know I was away from... I was exploring new things away from where I grew up and encountering new stories and perspectives. I just I definitely still was not comfortable with who I was. And then taking shrooms made me kind of realize how like disconnected and numb I was. Because I wasn't even really aware of it at the time that I was like in this kind of numb dissociative space. Not to say I wasn't like happy or unhappy. Something was just missing and I didn't even like realize at the time because I was still so like just caught up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then so like the shrooms and then like what was kind of the process that you went through? Like you've gone to therapy, you've been to some certain like what what what's kind of been that process like for you? After taking shrooms, I after taking shrooms i stopped wearing shoes and became (laughs) vegan (laughs) honestly like both those things are kind of true but yeah i just started going to therapy started taking care of myself more because college was just like crazy party time and i was like whoa this is a lot and i was also on track to be like in the business world like i was got my bachelor of science like i was gonna do like startup social entrepreneurship like and it was just damn it was yeah the film is industry is way different than that (laughs) yeah it it was definitely a complete different life path that I was on but again I felt like I'm doing this to fit this mold of like I'm gonna be this like to fit what like my family wants to fit what I think like a lot of my peers were going into like these industries the film department at my school is like great love it Mm -hmm. but you're being pushed down this path to become a consultant or to become like this you know tech sphere so like startup space was definitely the energy that at least I was picking up on at my school so again I was just trying to fit this mold and then I think when I started going to therapy and then started slightly taking care of myself more I think a lot of it also was the friends that I encountered and this is when you asked like people who are struggling with parts of themselves right now like what can I do we love the actionable advice here yeah <laughs> I think for me a Big source of healing has always come from friends or connections to other people. And specifically for my queer identity, it was when I made more queer friends that I became so much more, just had the ability to hold space for my own internal queerness when I was like actively, I mean, I think friendship also um, is healing in a lot of ways, but like having queer friends or even like meeting like one of my best friends, Doug, I met him in in college and he is native Hawaiian. And like, he's taught me so much about my cultural identity. And like my queer friends have taught me so much about queerness and like love and like all these things. So 
Yeah, just like talking about it helps totally. so much and like holding space for others helps you feel like it's okay for others to hold space for you, you know? Totally. Like I love that so much. I think that's a great piece of advice for people. Like I feel like that's so important. Do you have anything else to add on in that realm? This might also be a little bit cliche, but just like make friends with that part of yourself because I think for so much shame is like when something comes up, you're like, like Jeej was saying, like, no, 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 can't feel this way or like can't be this whoever, can't be blank, whatever that blank is for you. But I think instead, if you're like, okay, well, instead of shunning this part of myself, like, why don't, why don't I just approach it with curiosity and maybe even a little bit of love and see what that does? So even if it's like, I have this part of myself that loves to eat chocolate like a million times a day, and you're like trying to shun this part of you because you're like, I don't want to eat chocolate <laughs> all the time. <laughs> this is a really weird example. But like, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, what if you just brought up this part that just like loves to eat chocolate and you're like, hey, bestie, what's going on? Like, <laughs> and just like make friends with that part of yourself and then you probably won't have to shun it. It probably won't come up and like act out in certain ways and it'll just, you'll just be, feel more like full and whole. Yes, I completely agree. And I think shame inhibits so much progress for people and inhibits healing in so many ways. But I think shame is so powerful also if you're not ready to like fully accept or love that like part of yourself that you feel deep, deep shame for, because there are things that I've still am working on. I feel deep, deep shame. And I think even just naming that and being able to recognize that and just be like, this is something that I feel ashamed about. And just being able to even sit with that in the beginning is progress I think because like at first like there was so much shame I can't even approach that I can't approach the thing that I feel ashamed about because it's it's too overwhelming Mm -hmm. so now to be like okay like shame is coming up when I think about this and when I'm like trying to talk about it but it's like okay like the more that I can name that and being like this is shame and I'm like but it's okay like it's okay to feel shame and like actually knowing that it's gonna be okay We carry so much shame that's not ours as well. That's, I feel like, for me, the most confusing when it's like, where did this come from? And you're like, oh, it came from, you know, this is like a societal shame. This is a shame that my parents gave to me or whatever. With like bravery too. Shame holds you back from being brave. Shame holds you back from being who you really are. And I don't think if I had confronted shame in my life that I would be where I am, like making films and like trying to create art and like being able to like communicate through these mediums. Skinny Dipping is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every time I go to therapy, I learn something new about myself. For so long, I didn't want to know myself. I was avoiding myself. And once I started going to therapy, I realized that I am worth knowing and I should know myself deeper. I remember when I realized like I had anxiety and it completely changed my life and just like made me feel so understood. And therapy literally changed my life. And therapy isn't affordable or accessible for everyone, and that's why it's so important to have amazing options like BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, BetterHelp is a great place to begin. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And you just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can literally switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential and get to know yourself deeper with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash skinny dipping to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash skinny dipping. Check it out, guys. Shame. This is a shame that my parents gave to me or whatever. With like bravery too. Shame holds you back from being brave. Shame holds you back from being who you really are. And I don't think if 
I had confronted shame in my life that I would be where I am like making films and like trying to create art and like, being able to like communicate through these mediums if shame were still plaguing me like I feel like it was. It's such a cycle too because the more you start like uncovering your shame then you'll start like wanting to like share about it or like create an art piece about it and then that in and of itself uncovers more shame and then it's like this cycle I feel like once you it can feel really daunting at first but I feel like once you like you're like okay you kind of dispel the whole like idea of like shame is totally in all like encapsulates you and and locks you down I feel like once you get rolling on it it becomes this like positive cycle totally and like shame loves secrecy whenever shame has like come up for me in my life like I'm like damn I have to tell somebody because shame loves to keep you shameful to keep you quiet so that you don't go to that person you love and you're like this is what I'm feeling shameful about I feel so much shame around this and sometimes to just like have someone who you know is like your safe person to just be like oh I love you I love you I love you still you can be all those things and you can feel all those things and I still love you I think like shame loves secrecy so for me like with one of my really good friends like with something that she's always been going through I've always been like tell me like please just fucking tell me because as soon as you are able to tell someone even if it's not a close friend but a therapist and you're able to name it like Gigi said it does make the weight a little a little less heavy I mean it doesn't make it go away but it makes it a little less heavy and a little less scary I also think kind of tying this back to cultural identity I think understanding your cultural identity can also help you to kind of work with shame and work against shame for me in my experience I think connecting to like my ancestors specifically in like this physical body that I have and feeling othered because of what my actual physical body looks like growing up but now I'm like no like this is what my ancestors looked like this is what my kupuna looked like this is my body and it's like a part of my genealogy that for me like that reframe of being tying it back to culture and being like would my ancestors like feel ashamed of this like no and I feel like a lot of the things that I have grown to be ashamed about are like all rooted in like white supremacy so it's like unlearning that and being like okay like I need to be able to separate these sides of myself or like unlearn the things that were ingrained in me like Andrew said the shame that's given to you this was given to me this was not mine to begin with so it's like placing it back to where it came from and also being like okay like from a cultural standpoint like what does this mean? And like, I think just tying it back to like our community and like the values that we have as like a people is much more, it's like, oh, I can like be, I'm like relieved from that. I really think that what you said was so beautiful, Gigi. And I'm so glad you said that because I think that's going to lead us in to talk to Raina for a second <laughs> because I really want to chat with her and talk about Lahi for a second. So we are going to go talk to her and then we will come back in a second. Okay, guys, now we are going to bring in Raina who made Lahi with Angie and and I'm so excited to have her on. Raina, can you tell us a little bit about Lahi, the inspiration behind it, and what personal experience in your life had brought you to make this film? Lahi is a short film I directed and co-wrote as my Yale senior thesis. I'm Filipino-American, and in Tagalog, Lahi means race, and the story really centers a young girl named Mimi who grew up very detached from her Filipino cultural identity, a fact she must reckon with as she eventually begins to embrace her family history and Filipino roots. I guess I really wanted to make this film first and foremost as a love letter to my own Lola, my grandmother, to whom I owe so much of myself. 
She actually recently celebrated her 85th birthday and has been an active part of some really incredible moments in Filipino history as a lifelong activist on the front lines. And parts of her story are actually woven into the film honoring her. And I welcome the opportunity to also explore the creative possibilities of a narrative short film blending the real and the imagined. And what is your relationship like with your Filipino ancestry? How did this show up in the making of the film? Thematic aspects of the film are definitely drawn from my own life as a mixed Filipina-American woman who grew up occupying primarily white spaces, definitely when I was younger, for sure. Um, and Angelique, who I co-wrote the story with, and I really connected over a number of similar experiences we've shared navigating being mixed, both living at the intersection of a lot of our identities. And the third generation Filipino American experience is a unique and complex one in its own right. And being multiracial, I'm both Filipino and Puerto Rican is another layer on top of that. So while not all parts of Mimi's journey, I would definitely say feel semi-autobiographical. My Lola was born and raised in the Philippines and was just a young girl during the era of Japanese occupation towards the tail end of World War II. Her home was burned down in the war and she had to flee with her family to the mountains to survive. Um, my father was born in the Philippines as well, but spent most of his early life in California. And I grew up in the Bay Area in a multi-generational home with my Lola who has always been a very constant, present, and formative force in my life. Thank you so much for sharing that. I would really love to know, how does art allow you to embrace your cultural and personal identity? While there are so many beautiful aspects of the process of making this film, I think the most salient for me is probably its reflexive nature. It's a story about embracing Filipino identity and one that helps me embrace my Filipino identity more and more every day. It has brought new Filipino community into my life, new Filipino filmmakers, artists, and storytellers specifically, um, and has also put me in spaces where I'm constantly learning new things about the complexity of the Filipino American experience. I also play for the Philippines women's national soccer team currently and recently had a private screening of Lahi for my teammates. It was a really surreal feeling and I can only thank art for one, the opportunity to build community and communicate aspects of my own experience to others who resonate with the film's message and two, for allowing parts of my identity, which I had always thought to have been separate as an athlete and an artist to coalesce in a really beautiful way. How does healing art and cultural identity all intersect? I find that healing art and cultural identity have a lot of overlap and intersection, but the definitive characteristic, I would say that each embodies is its unfinished nature. Um, and by that, I mean the process of healing, of making art, and exploring cultural identity are all lifelong journeys. There's no real end point or goal in mind, at least for me, for any of these, and I don't think it's necessarily realistic to even say you can accomplish them fully. Um, it's perhaps a more generative outlook to acknowledge that we as a society can always do more to heal 
to create more and to put in more work towards understanding our ancestors and our heritage. This was actually a significant realization of mine in the recent past, spurred by the film, that I kind of maybe would never be able to fully comprehend um, every detail of my Lola's life or even the vastness of the Filipino-American experience. This isn't a sentiment that felt discouraging to me, but one that allowed me to seek out embracing cultural identity as something that is far greater than a simple intellectual or emotional feat. I think that this is something that Angelique and I tried to really reflect in Lahi too. Um, without revealing too much, Mimi doesn't end up um, in the film feeling like she fully understands her Filipino identity, but rather takes the first steps towards acknowledging and embracing that part of herself. Thank you so much, Reina, for sharing that insight. And let's get back to the OG episode. Okay, guys. So I feel like we've talked about a lot of things and I feel like it's been very, very, very impactful. And now I want to kind of get down to a big final question. So how does art, creating this film or dancing, music, whatever it is for you, how does art allow you to embrace and practice your identity and how does healing art and cultural identity all intersect for you guys? As a dancer, well, just growing up, I feel like dance has always been kind of like a superpower for me. Like it's always just been something that I can tap into really quickly. And it's an obviously a very embodied art form. So it's very much you are experiencing movement and emotion. And then specifically in this film, in A Tale of Two Sisters, the movement is really supposed to be depicting the story. When it was choreographed in the way that it was filmed, we have three acts for the dance part. And each act is a different part of Hiyaka's journey. Tapping into that was so powerful. And I feel like I've always like with dance, like there's always been this like fire or like there's something inside of me that may be surfing also sometimes, but there's something about dance, like movement that like really just like this magic that happens. I understand. Yeah. Yes. And like you're a dancer. Anyone who's a, who's a dancer, like can understand like when you're in the flow of that, of like movement and you are really connected to your mind, your body, your soul and like, and your emotions. Yeah. And it's like you, it's a way to really express and feel your emotions in a way that's like you're in a character kind of but it's like you can find something of like part of yourself to bring into that character and what it means to you and having this cultural aspect on top of that is even more powerful like in the film I portray Pele who is a huge like one of the most known deities in all of Hawaiian culture the icon. goddess of, yeah literal icon <laughs> goddess of, like god of the volcanoes like so powerful so much mana and like to embody that I was like how how am I gonna do this character justice but I think even in my section I choreographed all of Angie's sections for the film but my main dance portion that is like more of a solo was improvised for me we picked a song when we were just filming it that I was like, there, it tapped into that side of myself that I was like, there's something going on here. And it was like these like Tahitian like drums and it was really intense. I remember like getting myself into this like zone. I was like, okay, here we fucking go. I have, like, go. I have yeah. to do this. Like, and it's like, and you feel it. I think dance, I feel like it was partially like a gift that was given to me. And like, we have family members that are also like dancers. Like dance is, is a part of Hawaiian culture very much. And it's a part of storytelling. And my mom dances hula too. So it's like, we've been around that forever. I think, yeah, it partially was a gift. And I think partially was like inherited, like culturally. And I feel a lot of kuleana, a lot of responsibility for continuing to like use my gifts in order to like 
uplift this community and also just like how can I finding ways that I can still use dance to connect with people because when I left LA and like stopped dancing professionally I'm like well that's it for my career it's over like I'm done and but I was I was like okay well I still need to dance though like I still need yeah. to like that's when I met Kayla that's when yeah, I met you and I was, we like, met no, I was like please uh, let me come to dance with you guys I swear <laughs> like I can dance too I'm a dancer and you're an amazing <laughs> dancer and it Thank does you. like it creates freedom I feel like and it allows you to express yourself in such an intimate way that you know art in general just allows us to express ourselves in such a way that maybe we can't necessarily speak like we can't necessarily explain our emotions but we can feel it and express it through art through dance through film through music whatever it is for you I just it's it's magic you know definitely and I think dance like I said as an embodied art form our bodies hold so much emotion and know so much like on a subconscious level that we maybe can't articulate with words like you said so I think having even if you're not a dancer just like if you're like I'm feeling mad just like punch the air like I don't know like literally like being able to move emotions out of your body like physically like literally does something and there have been times in my life where I'm like so depressed that I hated going to dance because I was like I can't I can't handle this like I can't even handle being in my body but then I think as my relationship started changing and I started healing that's like when I was like okay like how do I embrace dance as something that I love and like how can I make it something that like does fit into my life and works for me maybe I'm not in LA and like going down that path anymore but now I'm like I see a huge opening for contemporary dance in Hawaii and Oahu Mm -hmm. and I'm interested in looking at how I can draw inspiration from hula in contemporary dance because we do study hula as well this is a huge movement vocabulary and so such a rich movement vocabulary no contemporary dance choreography that I do will be a hula I would never call it that and I understand that hula is a very sacred art form and historically there's so much trauma surrounding hula because it was banned in order to have Hawaiian people assimilate to American ways of life. We see that in like missionary schools as well. And we see that in the history also with our American Indian cousins on the continent. Same thing happened to them. It happens to a lot of indigenous populations. So obviously hula is very, very important to me. And I understand the sanctity of hula as an art form. But I think for me, also, it's a way for me to explore my identity as Hapa. It's like I have these two sides of myself. It's like a way for me to explore myself, too. It's like I grew up doing hula a little bit, but I was so invested in ballet and like modern and jazz. It's like those are Western dance forms. Now that I'm learning hula, I'm also having to like unlearn like a lot of like my kumu will like honestly like get low-key pissed at me and be like this isn't about you like when mm. you're a dancer and you're you're trying to draw attention to yourself and being like how do I get noticed yeah but my kumu will be like this this is a story this is an ancient story and it's not about you these movements mean something so specific to tell this story mm. you are a vessel for telling the story it is not about you getting all the attention and looking good well yeah and it's like I'm yeah. not here to like slay what, the like day I'm not here to get yeah. yeah no it is and I'm like no it's hard and I'm having trouble and like, yeah, my kumu like does not super love that <laughs> sometimes. But, but you're just um, learning. You're doing the best no, you I'm can. Trying, I'm really trying my best and like coming into hula with humility. I want to make that very clear to anyone who does see my work that I am in no way trying to create a hula piece, but I am interested in seeing how I can use that movement as a means to create other movement, like contemporary dance movement as an inspiration. Mm, I love that. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. Snaps to you. That was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Growing up as a dancer and having that as a art form that I was able to tap into in my early years, I think was like hugely, hugely impactful for my later work, for my overall health. And um, like Cheech was saying with dance, you totally have to 
embody your emotions and feelings in the movement. And it's so vulnerable. I like love this word. Vulnerability is like the buzzword of the day. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I think, I mean, I think we're all born for like vulnerable beings. Like we are all to be alive is to be vulnerable. But along the way, being vulnerable became very scary for me. I became out of practice of being vulnerable, especially in my later teenage years, early college years. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of reclaim my vulnerability was I able to practice art again. Because I stopped dancing once I left high school and went into college. I didn't dance for like, I would dance here and there, but like it wasn't, I wasn't seriously... Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was in tune with, with that art form, with dancing for a couple of years and like totally felt very disconnected from it. And it was at a time in my life where I was really struggled to be vulnerable with myself, to be vulnerable with other people. And then kind of simultaneously, once I started healing and currently still, I mean, it's a lifelong journey. Yeah, totally. <laughs> once I healed myself and I'm done. And I'm perfect now and nothing's wrong <laughs> yeah. and everything in life is great. No, no. Yes, yeah. and it's rainbows and butterflies and everything. Um, no, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was when I was like, wait, I don't want to go into business. I want to make films. I want to practice storytelling, which was so embedded in our roots as Native Hawaiians, as Indigenous people. And like you're saying, it's also intersectional and it's such a cycle because once you've kind of like are starting your healing journey and are kind of practicing like finding your truth and finding your voice, then it's this motivation to project your voice and to maybe share your truth with other create people. Create art. Yeah, yeah. create cool. art. That is inherently more healing. So then you're like, okay, I want to keep healing. You're like, okay, I want to connect with my community. And there's the cultural identity aspect. And making art has been such a way for me to like find my voice because I really struggled with that growing up as well. Feeling silenced as a child. Now coming into my adulthood, making art that speaks my truth, that also tries to uplift the truth of other people who are maybe like me or to speak to my cultural identity and uplift community in that way has also been like a way to heal, connect, and further develop my art form. I love that. And I remember in our prayer interview, you were like, when I heal, I want to create art. And then when I create art, I heal. And I was just like, yes. Like I wrote that down and I was like, yes. Like that is like the biggest Yes, I've ever heard. I'm just like, that is truth. It shows in your guys' film. It shows. I mean, I've watched the film, guys. It's fucking amazing. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. I'm going to give them in, in a second to tell you like how they can see it. But you all need to see this piece of art because I feel like it completely reflects everything that they're saying. And also when you see other people's art and you see other people's storytelling, I feel like it inspires you. It inspires me. I was so inspired by seeing you guys that I was like, yes, we got to do the podcast. Like you guys got to come on because I can see your story through eight minutes. And like, you see everything we talked about, like embedded into these eight minutes. And it's like, you only get that when what you're creating is so authentic and true to who you are. And I think honestly, you guys should be so proud of yourself. Like the piece is amazing. I can't wait for you guys to see both short films because it's literally amazing. And you know, I'm, I'm all about the overviews and what I'm hearing everyone say here is like, how can we begin to find the courage to embody healing and, and really embrace who we are? And we've talked about honesty. Honesty is a big one. And honesty comes with vulnerability, which leads to curiosity, which leads to maybe deeper understanding of ourselves, embracing ourselves. And then this need and like, I don't know if it's a need for you guys, but I know for me, like once I 
uncover parts of myself there's this like need like this like siren inside of me that's like I want to express like I want to express I want to create and through that then we share and we use storytelling to have other people to relate to us and I see this like cycle that brings other people back to realizing like what do I need to be honest about myself with? How can I be honest with myself so that I can begin the healing process? And I feel like when you guys do it as you have in a beautiful way that inspires other people, it completely inspired me. I think that the cool part about it is that you inspire other people to begin their healing journey. So I just see this whole cycle and I just would say like out of everything that we've talked about, is there any last things you would like to add? Because I really do see this beautiful cycle of honesty, curiosity, embracing, expression, sharing storytelling vulnerability and then inspiring others to do the same and I think that is just the coolest fucking thing and that's why I fucking love art like that's why I love art because it like allows all of us to be ourselves but then also in that being ourselves authentically other people want to do the same because they're like oh my god that looks like it would feel so good like and it does feel good even though it feels shitty along the way and it's, it's, it's difficult and it's hard um I think it's just such a cool cycle and and such an inspiration for everyone to share their art and to create and to storytell and to express themselves in a way that is going to inspire others because you guys have done it so so beautifully kind of last words I would say if you're like listening to this and you're like oh I can never make a film I could never I'm not artistic a you are artistic most likely <laughs> like I didn't think that I would ever be here like making films and it was always something that's like oh I want to do it but I don't think I could and like I just want everyone to know who's listening out there that you definitely can do it and like remember when you were seven years old and you wrote that amazing poem that your teacher loved or like that you made this piece of art and you love to like run around and sing and like that was you and like that's still you and I think everyone has a creative voice that deserves to be heard and is valued and whether or not you decide to share it I think uh, everyone should like be valued for the artistic and creative being that they are even if you don't feel that way you you are love that thank you Gigi what do you think I've recently learned more about critical imagination in this concept of what critical imagination is. And I think imagination is literally, is so important. And I think critical imagination is the future. How can we literally think up new realities for our life, for the future of what our space looks like? The more that we can tap into our own imagination, whatever that may look like to you, is so important. That playfulness that we had, like anything that brings that side in front of you, anything that makes you excited and like giddy and you're like, fuck yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that, that is sick. Like we need more of that. And also in this film, that was a big part of it. And you know, we're like, we love this story. Let's do it. And we're like, okay. And then we just did it. And we're like, okay. And then like, which is amazing. Yeah. And now people are seeing it. And I was at the film festival and like <laughs> so many more people are going to see it and you're going to get into more film festivals. And it just started with an idea and you guys just being like, let's fucking do it. And, and I feel like what people don't know I don't know if you guys are okay with me sharing it but they had a crunch time mm -hmm. like this was like kind of a last minute thing that turned into this beautiful project you know there wasn't room to be perfect like no. there wasn't room to overthink it like you were like let's just do it and I would say like in my life like creating all the things I've created it's like act on your impulses those are downloads those are things coming into you for a reason like that idea came to you and it chose you so fucking do something with it and play into that 
impulse and that motivation that you get in that moment because you never know when you're going to get that back fucking go for it like just create to create even if you don't want to even share it with anybody share it with like your mom or with your therapist like if you don't want to share it with anyone like literally just like create to create and just fucking do it and the less that we can overthink it and tap more into our imagination and our playful side and our child side within us like that's where the beauty is going to come out of so I totally agree also I believe that imagination like directly links you to like some sort of source like I feel Mm -hmm. like imagination and like the zone that you get in when you're in super deep meditation like go hand in hand and I'm always like your imagination is your tap into that other dimension that we can't like see with our eyes but we can we can see in our head you know yeah I started like a notes thing in my phone, just like ideas that come to me Mm -hmm. and like writing them down and having like a vision, like journal. I'm like, where, literally, where is this coming from? Like, I literally feel like I have these ideas that are just like coming to me. No idea where it's like, literally they pop into my head and I'm like, I need to write that down. Otherwise I'm going to forget it. It's like crazy, but I think your ideas down. Yeah, no, but the, but the more you practice that and the more you get into the habit of just like thinking about things and like, how can I connect these different ideas and bring them together how can I like literally like yeah create like like theorize things and like bringing things together and like using dance as a way to theorize things it's like there's just so much going on I also feel like yeah like imagination is a way that I feel like we can transcend our human conditioning and transcend shame because we're like tapping out of this realm of human concern and we're like tapping into this like higher source power like you Mm. were just saying and like Jeej said, that's how we reimagine our future. And like, that's how we like, come together mm. and like think of a future that's more just and fair and like isn't necessarily based in like what we're seeing mm. or what we've been conditioned to endure. Imagination is so important. And it's like being able to tap into it is like, you don't need your shroomies anymore. Like you, <laughs> your imagination is going to do it for you. <laughs> Wait, guys, literal chills. And what did I say at the beginning? I was like, I don't know what's going to come out of this, but I feel like we're going to find some kind of answer. And that is the answer is that like with all of this like our imagination and our ability to connect to something greater than ourselves connect to ancestors connect to ourselves like it's already within us like it's literally already there like Mm -hmm. everyone has it because we all have experienced what it feels like to have our imagination especially as a kid when that is like so in full force so what do you guys think the challenge should be this week what should everyone do to embrace all these things we are talking about putting into actionable steps I love to give people a challenge so what should the challenge be what do you guys think we'll do two challenges and you'll do one and you'll do one okay. so two challenges two sisters tale of two sisters a tale of two, sisters, <laughs> a tale of two challenges <laughs> Wait, here we go why is it the thought that popped into my head i would say something that helps me get out of my head i think putting on your headphones dancing to your favorite song trying to be like okay like how does this song make me feel what does my body want to do when i listen to this totally and like not being worried about what you look like in that moment but just literally just expressing whatever if your body wants to shake if it wants to punch if it wants to vibe and flow whatever it wants to do just like allow it to express itself yeah close your eyes don't look in the mirror (laughs) don't look at the mirror don't look in the mirror keep your eyes closed really feel what you're feeling and let it let it flow I love that. Okay, challenge one, accepted. Challenge, challenge two. One, challenge two. Um, again, not to be cliche. <laughs> I mean, cliches so are cliches. About cliche. I know. <laughs> cliches are cliches <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> but I would say to like pick one day this month or like one day a month if you're loving how it feels to just take your inner child on a date. Maybe like what you wake up and you dance around into your room like Cheech was saying and you're like, ooh, I look like, Children like love to dance around the kitchen. Yes. 
maybe if you're like my inner child and like to dance, like, okay, then don't dance. Like do something that your like eight year old self would have loved to do. Or like the other day I was like sprinting to yoga because I was like super late and I was like, I was like, oh my God, I need to go to yoga. And I ran past the movie theater. I was like, wait, I should see a movie instead. Because my inner child, <laughs> your inner child was like, my inner that. Child was like, yeah, you want to see a movie? You want to get like some popcorn and candy and literally chill? And I was like, okay, so true. So like, have a day where you're like just saying yes to all these choices. Where, like maybe adult self would be like, and you got to go to yoga. Like you haven't been doing your yoga thing. You feel ungrounded. But my inner child was like, yay, movie! Like let's do that. I love that. Yeah. So like a whole day where you're just like all by yourself taking your inner child on playdates, doing whatever they want to do. Yes, playdates. I love it. Okay, now tell us, where can we find Lahi? Where can we find Tale of Two Sisters? Where can we support you guys? Where can we see what's to come? Plug yourself. Go for it. Lahi is going to be making its festival circuit, continuing its festival circuit. We've been at around six festivals so far. And next year, we'll hopefully be at a whole bunch more and... After our festival tour, we'll be available for online viewing through a streaming platform on Electric Entertainment. So amazing. That'll be coming up in the following year or so. And A Tale of Two Sisters, Gigi and I are working on doing some on-island showcasing because we're really wanting to have a more like grassroots approach with how we're distributing that film. And I also just have uh, made a queer short film that I shot in Paris (gasps) that just got into our first festival. So that'll be up and coming as well. Um, We don't have a, so we have like a TikTok for that. that, But again, if you want to stay up to date on projects, the best is just to follow my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Follow Ange, follow Gigi. Their links will be tagged below. I'll also be posting them on the Instagram. I'll take some cute film photos of them right after this. No, no, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Kayla for having us. (laughs) I love you guys so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is so fun. You guys did amazing, seriously. I literally, guys, we're all, like actually like besties, like homies. So it's so fun <laughs> yeah. to have friends on. Like it's so it's so fun to have cool guests on, you know, that I don't know and that I get to know. I've really made a lot of friends that are actually like my good social media friends now just by having them on the podcast. But it is such a different experience getting to hold space for some of my best friends because I think you guys are some of the most amazing people I've ever met, really. Yeah, a lot of emotions coming up during this episode and I have a lot to think about because I'm thinking about where I'm not being honest with myself and my life and how I can, you know, kind of do the damn thing and express myself more in the things that I want to create. So thank you so much for inspiring me on that because I I love you guys. Thank you for coming on. I would say just remember to be patient and be kind with yourself as you move through your journey. I think it's not linear, like we said. So patience and kindness. Yeah. And practice healthy vulnerability along the way. Warmer, sunnier days are calling, so fuel up with them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. If you are like me, sometimes you can forget to feed yourself when you're super busy, and that's why I love Factor. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious and great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore and you can have as little or as much as you want every single week. And if this interests you at all, I'm going to give you guys 50% off only for Skinny Dipping listeners. So head to factormeals.com slash skinny50 and use code skinny50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. 
win-win. That's code skinny50 at factormeals.com slash skinny50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check it out. It'll make your life so effortless and nutritious. As the weather is getting warmer, it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I've wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul and I don't want to spend a fortune. I'm constantly wearing the 100% washable silk slip dress and people ask me all the time where I got it from. I've also now got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking on trend year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Kintz cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Kintz only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, which you know is so important to me when it comes to clothing brands. Get warm weather ready with Kintz. Go to kintz.com slash skinny dipping for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash skinny dipping to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Kintz.com slash skinny dipping.